when people come to me, the first thing they ask me is how. I want to manifest $10,000. I want to manifest my soulmate. How, how, how? And the truth is that manifestation and results, success, whatever you want to call it, happens through detachment and through embodiment. And that embodiment comes from shifting the belief because I follow a three-step approach of ask, believe, receive. So you change the thoughts in the ask, you change the belief in the believe, and in the receive, you open your heart and you detach. Mm -hmm. You surrender, you detach, and you're open, and you create the pathway for the universe to meet you halfway. On today's podcast, I'm just going to call her the queen of abundance, the queen of manifestation, the queen of knowledge bombs, one-liners, and practical tips and tools to put into your life immediately to align yourself, to manifest your vision, your dreams with like tactical advice on how to do it. So I'm going to stop bumping my gums because this one's loaded with value. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. I am stoked because I am in person, which is my favorite thing because it makes it so much more fun to have no agenda and get to laugh and talk and still have massive breakthroughs. And we have a repeat guest. We have a dear friend, an incredible human. I I think I'm just going to call her Poof. (laughs) (laughs) And that's now our new inside joke because we've been working for a couple days and Poof equals so much magic. And so I'm stoked and honored to be joined by my friend, Julia. Julia, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am stoked to have you back. Just as a quick refresher uh, for people who haven't listened to our previous episode, can you just give everybody a quick rundown of kind of like who you do, what magic you bring into the world? Yeah. So I'm a spiritual business coach. And what I do is I help women connect with their mind, spirit, and impact to really create magical businesses and really turn their story into a business the same way I did. Mm -hmm. So my story began when I was $25,000 in debt and I really just saw no out. I was anxiously Google searching how to make money online and I just found what I knew best. And that was reselling my clothes on Poshmark because my grandpa was a collector. So he used to have me put all his things on Craigslist Mm -hmm. since I was super, super young. So I got really obsessed with reselling things. And I was like, okay, well, I know how to do this. I have a ton of clothes that I don't wear. What about if I just start reselling them? And this was in the middle of the pandemic. And then I actually was asking people for donations because thrift stores were closed. So I was like, well, if I ran out of my own clothes, I'm going to sell other people's clothes. And within six months, I paid it off. Mm. And that was my first inflection point of, hmm, if I could do that, what else could I do? Mm -hmm. And that was the catalyst for everything else, growing my online presence, my coaching business, speaking, like helping women around the world. And now it's just continuing to evolve that mission and vision. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you said that because you said something to me yesterday when we were working that kind of really resonated with me because you were even talking about your story as you were overarching it for me again to refresh my memory. And you were talking about how 
you were $25,000 in debt. You didn't want to be in it anymore, but you said something in passing that was so powerful. And I don't know if you did notice it or you didn't, but you said at some point, a summary of, I realized I had to change my identity to get out of debt, not change my behaviors or the things that I did. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that for a minute? Because I think that is such a powerful concept and a a good frame of like what you help women do. Yeah. So a lot of where we're operating from is where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And I had this shift when I discovered the book, The Secret, that if you keep speaking as if you're living in the present, you're going to keep getting the same results that you're speaking about. Mm -hmm. So what I started to do was I started speaking as if I was already the person that I wanted to be. And I was really strict with myself about like no negatives. So I was never saying things like I'm in debt. I was saying things, I'm so happy and grateful I'm debt-free. Or, you know, when people, friends would ask me to go out to dinner and I was like, it's not that I can't afford it. Maybe logically I couldn't. But instead I would say things like, you know what? That's actually not a priority for me right now. Mm -hmm. And working or spending the extra time I have while I'm working my nine to five is better well spent selling my clothes on Poshmark. So it's just about the shift and the frame because it was like, how would the debt-free version of me act? What would I look back on myself and be like, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. And I, and I, I was asking that as a lead uh, and you kind of took it perfectly because I think in hearing that, right, I, I understand your avatar and your business really well because we share a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, we approach them in different lenses, but I get a lot of the same people. And, and, you know, for me as a man in this space, in my masculine, but choosing, quite frankly, to be very vulnerable and very mm-hmm. authentic and intimate in how I do it and, and really try to master this, like, I've watched gurus for years, these people that are now my friends, and they've always described these things as woo-woo, right? They're like, oh, it's like magic. It's like woo-woo. Mm-hmm. It's like manifestations, like these things. And for years, I would get frustrated because I was like, but how? But yeah. how? And they would like try to tell me how, but because I didn't understand, I would be like, that doesn't make sense. Tell me how. Tell me what to do. And the reason I'm asking this is because now as I sit here mm-hmm. – <laughs> many, many years in the future who I would claim to be like as woo as possible, I realized that woo is actually the results of the behaviors that you just spoke about. And I say this because I know there's like a lot of women and a lot of men and a lot of people Mm -hmm. that feel that things need to be different and they have clarity on this like vision and like, they're like, I, this is what I want it to look like. But I feel like everybody gets so stuck in like, it's so magic and it's not tangible that they miss the simplicity of what you just said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just, I kind of wanted to talk about it for a minute to get your perspective and your thoughts, because this is also something where you were in this position and then you felt like this can be different, like this can be better. Right. And I know that process was, was more than simply, Oh, I can sell my clothes on Parshmark. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, how did you start to walk that? Like, okay, I feel this call. My intuition saying I can do this. This kind of feels magical, but I'm not a magician. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. So I didn't really have the words or the logic, which I think is why it worked so effectively because it was more like, well, if all these testimonials in the book are saying these people cured cancer, changed their life, depression, like these really, really like deep things. I was like, one, if they can do it, I can do it. Like this is proof of what's possible. And two, it's already bad. There's no way it could get worse than this. Like I thought I was at my (laughs) lowest moment and I was like, what do I have to lose here? So 
I said to myself in that moment, only something good could come out of this, yeah. right? Because the worst thing is I let myself down. And I'm like, I'm already feeling let down <laughs> because I just found out I'm 25K in debt. Yeah. So it was really that like point of inflection where it's like, I feel like I have nothing left to lose. Mm-hmm. This can only work. Yes. And it worked. Yeah. And we also we also talked about, you know, one of the reasons you were successful in the beginning was really because of focus mm-hmm. and only being able to do the thing that really would help you identify your story. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But to close your loop, I wanted to explain like my definition of magic to people because I'm obsessed with like how things work. And I feel like it feels a little bit like I cracked the code a little bit. And now with evidence, like what I failed to recognize in looking at my friends when they were telling me, you know, this is how you make magic. They were basically giving me the behaviors and habits that would allow me to only see the world in the way mm. that those results would become possible. Yeah. And as you were speaking, like for everybody listening, we talk about the reticular activating system, right? And in the book, The Secret, I struggled with it for a long time. Like I was very resistant to quote unquote woo. Mm. And I was like, this is bullshit. Like, yeah. fuck you. And yeah. I would, I mean, I would yell at people. I would swear at my wife. I'm like, this yeah. is bullshit. Like, my life is over. Like, I'm suicidal. Yeah. I'm depressed. And you're telling me that I should say to myself, like, I am lovable. And that's going to fucking fix it. Like, I've been in trauma for years. Yeah. And I was very, very resistant. And in hindsight, in recognition, the only reason I was resistant is because the only thing my reticular activating system could see was all the pain and the story that I was in because that's Mm. what I was familiar with. And so the example I give to people on how the how works is that the moment you go buy a new car, you realize everybody in town has that same car, but you didn't see it before because all you saw was what you had. Mm -hmm. And so the how of the magic of manifestation of, of calling in the things is then getting a little bit of clarity on like, what belief or what thought or what behavior. And so Benjamin Hardy talks about this Mm -hmm. in Personalities and Permanence. Like you have to act as if you're living in the future. You invest in your future self. Mm -hmm. You take the behaviors of that person in the future. And so if, you know, things aren't working in your life and you're 25K in debt, you can't say, how do I get out of debt? You have to say, what are the habits and behaviors of somebody who has $100,000 in the bank? Yeah. And you pick one. And then you start speaking about that one and repeating that one which starts to tune your reticular activating system Mm -hmm. into seeing that and then your behaviors align to that new belief. Yeah. And that was like the time that I was so consistent with my morning routine. Yes. Like affirmations, like come hell or high water, I was saying those I am statements in the mirror. Yes. No matter what. And I was so, so, so consistent. Now it's a little bit more habitual where Mm -hmm. I kind of just say them. I don't necessarily feel like I need to write them down to remember. But I just remember like brainwashing myself for the right reasons. Yes. Yes. Like that is, like, <laughs> that is why my life works. Yeah. And like we were talking about it today, like we're sitting in my office and I told her like, you realize there's a hundred lighthouses in this office. Yeah. There are slogans and reminders of all the habits and behaviors, not of who I am or who I was in the past, but who I want to be in the future. Yeah. Right. And it's no different than telling my friend and choosing a training partner that says like, Hey, I want to commit to training with you every day for 30 days, because mm-hmm. I recognize that even though I say I want it, yeah. There's going to be days that the only thing I remember is that, oh, I can't go to the gym. I have work to do. But because I have that little bit of pull into possibility and that consistency, it starts to tune my activating system yeah. or my frequency into that behavior. And when the consistency 
with that new behavior, only if it's one or a small part, mm-hmm. it will still eventually stack up and yes. start to pull you in a different direction, but it has to be consistent. Yeah. And one of the challenges that I faced early on in entrepreneurship, and <laughs> my wife would make fun of me because she is like, you are the king of six-figure businesses. And like, she's like, you would, in one year, you launched six different offers, products, or businesses that all got to somewhere in six figures. And then we're like, it's not working. Okay, start again. Mm. And okay, start again, because I kept hitting a level that I'd never been past. Yeah. And then rather than trying to stay consistent or change my behavior, I would keep trying the same things and it would eventually stop. And so I would then have to start all over again. Yeah, that's like, me. That's how it manifested and that, that's, in my business. That's like when I was saying that I was super stagnant. Yes. Was that. It's like tear it to the ground because you only know how to build it when yes. it's burning down. Yes. And now it's like that new level of mastering the game of self, which is what we talked about is like where you're comfortable and growing from a positive place rather than growing because you're in the muck, like you're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. And so, yeah, I wanted to like call that out because like for me, what's so crazy now is that as, as I look back, I, I feel like I, I have the gift of hindsight now and mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur for as long as I have, <laughs> primarily because of all the failures I've had. Yeah. <laughs> Gave me <laughs> a lot of fast perspective. But in that hindsight, like I, I, I say this to everybody listening, but I, I'm so bullish on this. I really believe that like if all I focused on for the last 10 years was going to the gym every day, working on my mind every day, doing my breath work every day, and only ensuring that I do three needle movers in my business every day, and I protected that and only that and did no more, I would probably be in double the revenue I am right now. Wow. But I see that now. And so that's why I'm so consistent on like my containers and my yeah. behaviors because it really, really is like a momentous culmination of consistency. Yeah. And then once it starts titrating, the compounding interest is insane. Yeah. But the moment you stop, it resets. Yeah. And that's the part that I failed to recognize as an entrepreneur is that when I got hit with the moments of like, oh, fuck, I have to burn it down. Rather than pausing and saying, wait, is there another way or mm-hmm. what is this here? all my behaviors reacted and like burned everything down. Yeah. And then what really happened is that emotional charge, how it burnt down wasn't that I intentionally burned it down, is that when I got so triggered and overwhelmed, I stopped the consistent behavior that would have given me the clarity. Yeah, that's it. And I didn't give myself the space Mm -hmm. to see it. Mm -hmm. And if I had said, holy shit, this isn't working anymore, and protected like my behaviors that brought me clarity and reminded me what I was there and mm-hmm. looked at it without taking it personally and just protected that ritual or that reading or that yeah. problem solving that I was using, all of them would have easily scaled within yeah. months. And so the funny thing is now it's like, it's very easy for me now yeah, <laughs> because I failed so many times, but mm-hmm. I see it that way. It, it's crazy. And so like, I recommend so many people like, no, no, consistency, consistency, like what's deeper, like what's the behavior that irregardless of your day, if you do it is going to make your business better or Mm -hmm. move it forward. And so that's my explanation for everybody. So, okay. So the, the loop that I opened earlier and, and this is something that like, I highly, highly respect about you. 
and we've been talking about it for the last couple of days, but like in the beginning, you had this call of like, I want to do something different, mm-hmm. right? And in that, you kind of have to start thinking about like, what am I going to do different? Yeah. And so you landed on like kind of these things, but when you landed on it, one of the reasons you were successful is because you just focused and you're like, all right, this is it. You're mm-hmm. like, if it doesn't work, I'll try this. If it doesn't work, I'll try this. When you hit those culmination points of like, okay, it's Poshmark. Okay, maybe I could do a course. Okay, maybe I could do this. Mm-hmm. How do you go about figuring out like what's next? How do you check it, right? Like I know you're really big into like, okay, are my thoughts aligned, right? Mm-hmm. Is my soul aligned? Like how do you start to find pieces for you to be like, this feels right. I want to pursue this. Yeah. So I think I look at it as like figuring out a problem. So it's like, what is the first step? So it's like, okay, I want to build a new course. Okay. What's the problem that people are having that I'm going to solve? Then, okay. How would I deliver that solution? Okay. What is the fastest way to do that? What's the easiest way to do it? Right. I'll do my own research And then honestly, I think one of my biggest strengths is like I'll dead an idea if I don't think it's good. Mm. Like I'm not going to keep going with something if it's not a 110% yes. And how before we go any further, let me stop you there. How do you determine like what's your barometer for like it's a 100% yes? 100% yes is if it feels scary to my mind but exciting to my soul. Scary to your mind, exciting to your soul. Because it's like, I know that this is going to stretch me and I know that I need to do this and I won't give up until I get there. And even if it keeps me stuck for some time, I'll just keep figuring out different solutions because it's like, I I have that North Star where it's like, this is where I'm going. This is what I want. And nothing's going to come in the way of that. Mm. And it's like, yes, there's going to be roadblocks, but I'm willing to move through those. I'm mm-hmm. willing to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to be resourceful. I'm willing to fail on the road to success. And this is when it comes back to like loving the process mm-hmm. because it was never about the result, right? Yes. It's about the process. It's about the game. So when I ask myself or like if I'm feeling like a lot of resistance, it's that intuition of like, is this resistant because I need help? I need to ask them. I need to be resourceful. Or is this resistant because I'm building this from a place of ego or this is out of alignment and I never wanted to do this to begin with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, When you were answering, it's funny. I realized that I ask myself one question and my question is, would I do this if I wasn't getting paid for it? Mm, I like that one. And that one is one that I, it took me a few years to find, but if I can answer that, yes, it works every single time, Mm. every single time. And, and it, and it truly like helps me as well. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things that I love about you is your ability to like use experiences and your story to like help other people. And you will love helping women like kind of find and use their story. Mm -hmm. Right. And so obviously like, I'm a big fan of this. I love this. I think it's incredible like what you do, but I think before we even get into there, I, I think it's really, really important for people to understand the power of their story. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of talk about like people's stories, why they matter, like what it can do in the world? Because I, I, I really, it took me a long time to recognize how much more value my experiences added to the world when I shared them. Yeah. So your, 
life experience is your greatest asset. I think a lot of people will first try to go to like, what skills do I have? What did I learn in school? Go to like the logical part. What about everything that you are? What about the way that you make people feel? Even last night, I'm reading through my course students, like my school group, and this one of my clients is like, well, I'm afraid if I tell my story, I'm going to box myself in and niche down too much. And I'm like, whoa, 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 back up. The first thing I read is if I'm afraid, I'm afraid to tell my story. That's the first problem because your story can change the world. Mm -hmm. Like you have this special gift. You have this special power that no one can do it like you, right? There's so much noise already right? Everyone has the same course. Everyone has the same this. The only thing that's different is each individual person. And that's your number one selling point, truth, authenticity, power, any label you want to put it. No one can do it like you. So no one can even fight you on it because you're like, I am me and that is my power. And that's what I want to show women that especially women like working in their nine to five, they're like, I don't know what to teach. I'm like, what is one problem you've overcome in your life that you would help your friend with? What is one thing that your friend says, can I pick your brain about? What is one thing people keep coming to you for advice for? Because what someone's going to go to advice for you, they're not going to come to me because we have different stories, different expertise and different power. Yes. I love this. And you just nailed something. I don't think I've ever even mentioned this on the podcast. 380 episodes in. But what's so funny is that what you just referenced was something that helped me figure out my career Mm. because I had spent my life because of my wounds and my trauma trying to help other people. Yeah. And I always helped for the right reasons, right? It wasn't to really get a payoff. It was how I felt seen and valued Mm -hmm. in the world. But because of that, I never got to really see any of them ever offering help my way or what they asked me because I was so blinded like, oh, no, no, no. Like I have to do this. Like this is the only way I'm valuable in the world. And then, um, you know, I started having awarenesses, started like learning my story, healing my trauma, getting ready to point and stare. And then I was like looking at my phone one day and like on an average day, like 40 of 40 people that I respect more than anything in the world that I feel like I learn from every day are texting me questions. Mm. And I'm like, all of these are like the same things. (laughs) And everybody asked me these questions and I was like, I guess I really probably should talk about this stuff and probably do help people with this stuff. But I I feel like I I think it's really easy. And we've talked about this a lot in the last couple of days. I think it's really easy to get lost in the mess and the noise and the cloudiness. And when that's there, it makes it almost impossible to see all the assets that you already have in front of you. Yeah. And the biggest secret's getting started because I just remember when I'm consuming all this content. It's like, just get started. Make your first post. Make your first post. And it's like, I probably did like 150 posts until I got to the point where I was like, call me a mindset and manifestation coach. Yeah. And now that story has changed and evolved. But I think that's what's so beautiful about your personal brand and about your story is that you can never outgrow it. No. Because you're going to constantly change it. So the moment that you do outgrow it, you change it. And you say, this is what I went through and this is what I'm now going through. And this is why also too, I'm working with the same clients that I worked with when I first started. And it's like, okay, 
in when I first started, they reflected that version of me. But as I've grown, it's given them permission to grow. And it's like looking at the content that I used to post. Yes, it was just very general and personal development, but I needed to find my voice. Yes, You're not finding your voice through writing in secret all day. You're finding your voice by putting it out there, getting feedback, both positive and negative, seeing what resonates, seeing what you like. You're never going to find that in your own space and time. No, and I I swear it's why I do what I do because I feel like the more I speak, the more Mm -hmm. I find myself. Yes. The more I share, the more I filter out things. Like I even like when I'm speaking now, I will hear myself say something. I'm like, there's such a better way to say that. (laughs) Like that's old. Yeah. You should think on that for a minute. And then it'll hit me and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so much better. Yeah. And 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 I I think, and we've been talking about this a ton, like I, I think as entrepreneurs, it's it's really easy to get stuck in this overwhelm. There's yeah. so much information. There's so much out there. But one of the things that I said to Julia, I was like, I, in my experience with the thousands of entrepreneurs I've coached, what I've found typically is that if you get to a point where you're asking how, your only next step is to start. Mm. Because you had things fall into place leading up to it where you weren't asking how. You mm. ha- asked how, you had an answer. You asked how, you had an answer. But I have found every single time in my own personal experience when I'm hit with the how wall and I've asked it like six or seven times and I can't get an answer, it's because there is no information for me to find. The only clarity I will have is when I take what I have and put it into the world. Let me send this to 30 people. Let me talk about this on my podcast. Let me give a keynote on this. Let me run this by my team. Yeah. And then the moment I do it, you get the feedback and instantly you're like, oh, that's exactly how I'm going to start. Yeah. And like when I find myself hiding behind the screen and hiding in the logic, hiding in the strategy, hiding in the information, I'm so overwhelmed because you're right. That's not the answer. Mm -hmm. The answer is being, the answer is doing. And then I send, you know, 25 DMs, people who come to my post be like, Hey, thanks for your comment. Just something so simple. And everyone instantaneously answers. I get in my magic. I get in my flow. Someone invites me to their podcast. I get in my flow. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should do more of the things that get me into my flow (laughs) and less of the things that make me feel like shit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And and I think you even acknowledged this earlier. And and I'm grateful that you said this. I think what's important to recognize too is that we grow every day. Yeah. Right. We change every day. We evolve every day. We we are different people every day. And and that also means that the behaviors and the habits that we have every day, if they become monotonous and routine, they aren't really us being an expression or an aligned yeah. or in being. And so like we also have to have this really integrous relationship with ourselves of like if we really look at like we're stuck and overwhelmed. Yeah. And I through a client in front of you with the identical business, but I had you looking at theirs from the inside out and they said to you the same thing that you said to them, you would look from 10 feet away and see 50 things for them to do immediately. Like, oh, yeah. have you emailed those customers? Did you get to those messages of your team? Did you get to that boom? Mm-hmm. But we get so overwhelmed and convoluted in the noise and all of it that we lose sight of the simple things. And so like, that's why I'm so bullish. And like, make sure when you get in those situations, you don't stay in them. Pattern yeah. interrupt yourself. Go for a walk, listen mm-hmm. to a song, like move your body, get out of it. Like yeah. you, you cannot solve the problem in the same container that it was created in. Yes. And so, good. so you have to remove yourself out of it so you can actually be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like this is where I am. This is where I want to go. And uh, yeah, it's, I just feel I'm like annoyed at how much of a broken record I am right now. <laughs> 
So just to break the third wall for everybody, I annoy myself most of the time. I'm like, did I just say that again? So sorry. I'm just having one of those moments. You don't have to be sorry. This this is how you shift your beliefs. It is. Because you you're hold so true to the things that you say. Yeah. And every time I hear you say it, just from outsider looking in, I'm like, wow, he's really living in integrity. Yeah. Like he's really speaking his truth. And it inspires me to be like, what are the core things that I believe in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I just, I, I think for me, it's just the last couple of months I've had so much compression mm-hmm. in integration work of yeah. like years of work seven years of this to the clarity and this to the clarity and this to clarity. And I've just been chuckling lately at how hard I used to make it. Yeah. Right. Like to think about like where I am now. Right. And you talked about how your story changes. Mm-hmm. Right. I went from an active duty Marine to teaching myself how to cook on the internet to two years later being a New York times bestselling cookbook author author to three years later, realizing I hate cooking and I gave it away to then disappearing on the internet to accidentally becoming a consultant, to then coming back on the internet swearing I would never be a personal development mindset coach, (laughs) to launching masterminds and then creating events that basically are plant medicine for entrepreneurs. And now I have a podcast and you could never predict that path. And it's like, now that I see it, (laughs) I'm like, God, I tried to hold on to things so hard and for so long. But if I just took it a moment to smile, breathe, trust and surrender, I would have been like, oh my God, the conclusion was written. There's a new book. There's a new page. There's a new story. And so I'm just like, I've just had all these reflections that have all come to fruition and made sense. And I can now see on all, every episode in this podcast where I've talked about the quadrants and my stillness practices and boom, like I've been bullish on them for four years. Yeah. And like about a month ago, I got smacked in the face and I saw the results of all of them standing in front of me. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to be so annoying. People are going to really, really get sick of this one, but it'll work. And so, yeah, it's just, I've I've been in a lot of reflection lately and it's, it's been really interesting. I love that. And I think this reminds you of manifestation, right? When people come to me, the first thing they ask me is how. I want to manifest $10,000. I want to manifest my soulmate. How, how, how? And the truth is that manifestation and results, success, whatever you want to call it, happens through detachment and through embodiment, right? And that embodiment comes from shifting the belief because I follow a three-step approach of ask, believe, receive. Ask, believe, receive. Right? So you change the thoughts in the ask. You change the belief in the believe and in the receive, you open your heart and you detach. Mm -hmm. You surrender, you detach, and you're open and you create the pathway for the universe to meet you halfway. And that's really the way that I look at it. So it's like when people ask me how, no, it's who do you have to become Mm -hmm. in order to match that because you're only ever going to get what you're an energetic match for. I'm gonna tell you right now. The first time one of my one of my personal development teachers, when I asked them how to fix my marriage, and they said, "Who do you have to become?" I was like, "You can go fuck yourself sideways." I paid you ten grand to be in this room for two days to fix my marriage. Yeah. I paid for how? Yeah. I was so triggered. Yeah. And I think I even reflected you yesterday how like the other day I was having a conversation with my wife and I was like, God, they were so right. Yeah. Oh, I get it. But God, I made it so hard. Yeah. And uh, how I break this down now, 
because I like to be able to explain things for my own simplistic yeah. three-color crayon brain mm-hmm. to understand. That's a Marine joke. Don't worry. Um, is really I, I now can explain it with convergent and divergent thinking mm. because what was happening is I'm like, I want this. I want to be – I need to make – $25,000 in the next month, right? I like March of 2020 when I lost yeah. two companies and 400 grand a month. I started over in March 2020. Yeah. That was three years ago. Yeah. Now we have the podcast, four new businesses, an events company, consulting, one on one clients, intensive models. Like, and so, like, I was hit with this again and I was living a lifestyle of $500,000 of cash a month. Yeah. New houses, new horses, new cars. And in 30 days, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And I've been met with that lesson so many times and sitting with the who. What I started to recognize is that with convergent thinking, convergent thinking is linear. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, all right, how am I going to get out of this? But because I had just built it off that level, I could only think about the ways in which I had done it. Yeah. That's convergent thinking. Divergent thinking is like, how could it be done when it's not linear, right? So the mm-hmm. example you give when you teach it, it's like you put a brick on a table and you ask people like, how can you use the brick? Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, oh, you can build a brick wall. You can build a blank, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's convergent thinking. But then yeah. I'm like, how else can you use the brick? And it's like, oh, I could use it as a laptop stand. I could use it as a planter. I could use it as a door stopper. I could build a Lego tower on top mm-hmm. of it. And when you start to think of all the other creative ways, the convergent thinking you start to figure out what behaviors or actions or ways that you could think about all the possibilities differently to allow them to come in. Yeah. And so that's like one of the things that I've always challenged myself on because I, what you just said took me a long time to recognize. And I'm, I want to edify what you just said very, yeah. very deeply because it's like if I say like I want to lose 10 pounds and I just mm-hmm. walk into the gym and say I want to lose 10 pounds, I'm not going to lose 10 pounds. Yeah, because you feel like it's not you. Well, yeah, but I still don't even know how. Yeah. But if I walk in the gym, like I'm going to walk for 20 minutes a day. I'm going to drink a half a gallon of water Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have one smoothie instead of a meal and I'm going to do it every day for 60 days. I'm going to lose 20 to 30 pounds. Yeah. But in order to do it, I have to focus on the behaviors that are going to create the result, not the result itself. Yeah. And what you explained, you explained in woo-woo terms (laughs) that I love (laughs) And I'm translating into yeah. my pick rock up, put rock down terms <laughs> yeah. for what it is because it, it's even more evidence alluding to what yeah. you shared earlier. Yeah. Right. And, I like that. And then the receive part, this is, this is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. If you're asking for it, you can't get upset with how it comes. Yes. Um, I'm glad I learned that lesson <laughs> because I learned many lessons in my life in hindsight that I was begging for. Please help me see this. Please help me see this. And I thought it was going to come in a message in a bottle delivered on my doorstep. Oh, no. Nope. It came with my employee stealing money. Mm. It came with getting hit with a lawsuit. Yeah. It came with my number one client firing me to realize toxic patterns and how I led my team. Mm. I asked how to be a better leader. I was hoping for an easier response. Yeah. And so I say that because that's a lot of the surrender to be open. And I was so resistant because I wanted my answer to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't see the answers that were already in front of me. Well, this is how I met Marcos. Yep. Because I, when I was 
manifesting my relationship, I knew what I wanted. I was like, I know exactly what I want in a man. And I was very clear about it. And I picked a spiritual sign of a butterfly. So I would go on all these dates with these men. And I was like, I'm going to see the butterfly. I was like, We're, he's going to take me out to dinner. It's going to be on the menu. I just knew it. So I'm making up all these stories, all these scenarios. And then I go out to dinner with like a distant friend, a girlfriend. And I was telling her, I was like, you know, this is so weird. Like none of these relationships are working out. I'm like, but I thought they were great, but I haven't received the confirmation I'm looking for. They never ended up working out. And she's like, well, have you ever thought about just being open and surrendering and allowing it to come when it wants to come rather than you trying to control it? And I was like, hmm, no, I didn't really think of it that way. So I go home and I write in my journal and I'm like, God, I am open and ready whenever you're ready. I was like, this is like my green light that I'm open and ready. And remember, I hadn't seen the butterfly in like six months. Marcos and I are on FaceTime as friends because that's what we were when we first started talking, rekindling. And we're on FaceTime for three hours, felt like two minutes. And I look up on my screen and there's a huge butterfly. (laughs) And I like, I'm like, I got to go hang up the phone. And I'm like, God, I'm like, what? I'm like, that's not what I meant. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's just my friend. And that was the first time I learned surrender Mm. and that you're going to get the message you need, not the message you want. Yeah. And uh, actually, I think this is funny because I'm going to give a tangible example on how I did this intentionally Mm -hmm. by creating a container. We talked about this at lunch. We were talking about first class and coach, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, for me, you know, we're talking a lot about now, how do you surrender or how do you yeah. create a container? How do you make a behavior of your future self? And, and I'm going to share this story. Um, and this is not about anything other than accountability. And, mm-hmm. and I remember um, I was going to my first paid keynote mm-hmm. and I got paid $2,500 and I was probably making right around $100,000 a year. And I was flying, you know, probably five, six times a month. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, you do, you are going to book a first class ticket, right? And I was like, no, (laughs) no, I'm not. Yeah. I was like, I'm saving that money. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, so you're flying to give a talk. You're going to be in the back of a plane, can't from other people, get off, have three hours to talk, expect to feel better, turn around, fly to Reddit back, come home to us and feel good. And I'm like, oh, she's like, listen. This will help you. This will be blank. And she was basically like finding my movable middle to give me a taste. Mm. And so I booked the flight, got on the flight. I felt great, obviously, flying first class. I'd flown first class, but mm-hmm. never like booked a ticket. I was always upgrade for the military stuff. And uh, and I like just kind of felt like on fire. Yeah. And I go give this keynote and it like basically changed my career. Wow. And I'm coming home and I felt better and felt better. She said, listen. She's like, you need to play a different game. You belong in all these places, but you don't think you do. And you need to align your behavior. She's like, I'm going to challenge you to never book a coach flight again. And I was like, okay. And I made the rule. I have not changed it in seven years. Wow. But what's so crazy to me is within like three months, I had like tripled my revenue. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. And then I started to recognize that there were ways and I saw the house on how I could invest in my future self, how I could invest at a coach at the next level I wanted to be at. Hmm. Maybe not the money I put in or how I could 
choose to only stay in certain hotels because they made me feel better and they made me feel like it was in my power and I was choosing yeah. to move up a level. And so I just kept finding these little pockets of my life where I could find myself playing small, where I could find this 10% stretch of like, okay, well, you're an entrepreneur. You can snowboard one day a week, mm -hmm. right? This season, I said a minimum of three. Yeah. Because with all the businesses I run and everything I do, I have to earn that. And it forces this compression mm -hmm. of like, what matters? How can I be more efficient? to kind of buy that time. And so you can do it with flying first class. You can do it with only renting a certain type of car. You can yeah. do it by compressing the time window that you have, which will force a behavior change. Yeah. And so there's many, many ways to do it. So for everybody listening, I wanted to give you a couple of like yeah. hows because like those are the patterns. So it's like, if you're used to saying like, I'll give you an example with mm -hmm. fitness. Like if, if you're like, okay, I run two miles a day. Mm -hmm. Why not three? Yeah. Even if you only go two and a half, or even if you make it three every day, but you only hit three, three days a week, mm -hmm. that extra three miles a week is an extra 156 miles a year. Yeah. That is an extra thousand miles in a decade. Yeah. Those little behaviors for everybody listening is the how to you manifest, yeah. to you receive. Because when you also surrender to those behaviors, those behaviors open you up to seeing and receiving the things that you can only see because you're investing and stretching to a new level. It's so true. And I have this experience firsthand when I started putting myself in bigger rooms and investing in myself bigger than even I had the capacity. Mm -hmm. Like I remember like my first really big investment in myself was like $22,000. And then it was $20,000. And I just remember actually when I invested uh, $20,000 of last year back in October. When I look at um, my revenue, we were talking, look at it in the year, not the months. So if you look at it in that month, it was a negative like $17,000 a month because of how much I was reinvesting back in the business. That no, So that was October. That November was my first $40,000 cash month. And I was like, whoa, I was whoa. like, that was cool. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, I want to pre-handle something for all of you fuckers that are having a thought of like, oh, yeah, you can just book first class. We pay 100 yeah. grand a year. Um, I didn't just fully surrender. <laughs> so I gave up eating out and my three coffee trips to the coffee shop every day and made it one. Wow. And then I actually ended up saving more money because the behavior change forced me to focus on the things that mattered. And I realized I was diluting all these things and I was costing myself cash I could invest in the business. By eating out three times a day? Yeah, or going mm -hmm. to coffee. And so when I did it, I was like, oh my God, I got to save money because I, I have to afford these first class tickets now. Yeah. Well, that new container forced me to look at my behaviors in my day differently. Yeah. And then when I stopped driving to the restaurant three times a day, I had two more hours in my day to be in my office. Mm. When I started making coffee in my office, that was 20 less minutes each time I got out of the house to go to the coffee shop, which I yeah. started to recognize were me distracting myself and finding reasons to leave. Mm -hmm. And so when I committed to the extra $400 a plane ticket, by mm -hmm. the way, because this was like 2016, so it was yeah. coach was 380 and first class was 690. Yeah. It's not that good now. Some of them are. Um, but by forcing myself to commit to that, it changed the way I saw everything else I was doing. Yeah. And so 
of course, I was like, oh my God, I don't have the money. But that scarcity feeling, because I committed to stretching, was no longer scarcity. It was this awareness of like, oh, I'm wasting a lot of time. Yeah. That could be being money. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing this a lot. That could be made money. And then I started losing weight and getting more energy. Yeah. Because when I was eating at home, I was eating cleaner. Yeah. And then I had more energy to make more content. Wow. And so like it's not that you change a hundred things. Mm-hmm. It's that you you pick one and you change it and then you adjust the trickle mm-hmm. as it comes down because it will change how you see things. Yeah. And so I just, for all you, oh, yeah, yeah. stop <laughs> drinking fucking Starbucks lattes three times a day. You're welcome. Okay. Some of your sushi habits would, double, sushi. <laughs> would double your business. Uh, and I know you love impressing your friends and going for the $400 dinner, uh, but that's three clients on your $5,000 funnel. So get that bullshit out of your head. Yeah. Okay. I'm just calling it for what it is and I'm looking at you to say it because I think the same things. It's just choices. Yeah. So so now I want to ask you a fun question. Okay. So you have been in – you're in Montana with me for a week. Yeah. Which is a blast. You and Marcos mm-hmm. is here and it, it's it's like family. I love it. Um, so I want to kind of paint the picture because you're in, – in my opinion, you're an incredible entrepreneur. Like I, to- mm-hmm. I told you that I think within five minutes of meeting you. Yeah. And I was like, I just feel like telling you what I feel. And then sure as shit, I was right. <laughs> and everything aligned and here we are. And you've done an incredible job. But I kind of want to see if you'll paint the picture of kind of like what your business has been like in the last 90 days. What have you been mm-hmm. seeing? What have you been experiencing? Kind of like what was your mindset? What yeah. was it like kind of leading into coming to Montana? Yeah. So I made this big shift of realizing that I was distracting myself in my business to hide from the things I knew would make me successful. Mm. And that's probably the first time I've compartmentalized it is on this (laughs) podcast and actually said it Yeah, because I didn't know that's what it was. Because it's like when I started taking the actions that I knew would breed the results that I wanted, I was like, oh, it gets to be that easy. And that's when it comes back to trying to make it hard yep. because I was so used to making it hard. So the past 90 days, and it's perfect to look at because it's the first half of 2023 Q1, yep. has been my most successful quarter in business to date because I started looking at like, how could this be easy? Mm-hmm. How could this be pleasurable? How can I have more fun doing this? And actually looking at myself in the mirror and saying, what do I like to do? Not what is this person's strategy and what do they tell me to do? And then trying to see if I align with that. Mm-hmm. Starting from within first, what makes me happy? Well, talking to people, yep. firing the people that are, I'm afraid to maybe speak up and say, you don't align with my vision. This work doesn't align with my vision and getting so crystal clear on who I am, Mm -hmm. what I want and not letting anybody and anything stand in my way of that. And just this like complete utter focus that the game is me versus me. And it's a constant evolution. I'm not perfect at it, but this is the most me I felt in like my whole entire life and just so aligned with my mission and my vision and my desire to help. So like in the beginning, it's like, oh my God, how can I make the most amount of money the fastest, right? Every 
person thinks they're going to open their business because, oh, I'm going to make all this money. There's so much opportunity. But the shift this year was how can I help the most people and the money and the success and the results will be the byproduct of that. I don't even have to worry about that. So it's like shifting to this like truly like abundance mindset, not just in money, in every single aspect and this deep, deep safety Mm -hmm. of like, I am safe no matter what. Mm. I am safe. I am good. I am protected. And like just every single day working on myself to say like, I am safe. I am safe. And, you know, continuing to grow Mm. and continuing to ask for help and work with mentors, put myself in the room, talk to the right people, surround myself with the right people. And it feels like that atomic habit. It's like getting 1% better each day. Yeah. I love it. So then, uh, I just thought I'm just going to open like Pandora's box. Okay. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you seeing? What are you noticing after 16 hours of being locked in a room with me? I'm noticing a lot of things, but the first things are all the answers are within. Yep. The second one is that the most important relationship you have is the one with yourself. Yep. And integrity is always the answer. Mm -hmm. Integrity and leaning into your heart because there's no, no, you said like one of the first things you said when I walked in here is nobody knows how to run your business better than you. Mm -hmm. So it's like the only thing that, I will be working on for the rest of my life yeah. is my relationship to me and my relationship to my own integrity, authenticity, and my truth. Yes. I am so fucking excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We've 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 cried a few times. Oh no, all I put on my story already. Oh, all you- day yesterday I go. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you didn't see it yet. I sat in a chair. I haven't chair. been on social. You're in my office. I sat in a chair for nine hours, looked myself in the <laughs> mirror, and cried all day. This is what I paid for <laughs> to get ripped my ego apart. That's what I said. I said I cried my ego away, mm. and I ripped. I I got ripped apart in the most like graceful way. I I haven't watched stories. I, in full disclosure, <laughs> when you're here, I am not on my phone. So. When we're done, I'm not on Instagram. I'm home with my son. Yeah. So I'm keeping my containers tight. Yeah. So I haven't seen that. I love that. <laughs> I'm sending I, you a screenshot. I love it. I love it. So what are you now like? Because like I feel like I, I described it when she walked in. I was like, so listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna put us your snow globe in a paint shaker, mm-hmm. uh, and it's gonna go through a Category Five hurricane. Yeah. And so now, <laughs> it sure did. It sure did. <laughs> Yep. Um, so now though, like, what are you the most excited about? Yeah. Because like you lit up yesterday. Like I, I think I looked at you at a moment and mm-hmm. I was like, you just released it all. Yeah, you did. And then you, you, you like lit up. Yeah. And you came in this morning and you're yeah. like, breakthrough, breakthrough, yeah. breakthrough. How is your morning? I'm like, I already implemented like 10 things. Yeah. Um, it's also really interesting because yesterday, like I was sweating a lot and I remember like going in the bathroom, like, why am I sweating so much? And I'm like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about it because I've been, um, you know, the book, you can heal your life by Louise Louise Hayes. So I was, I've been interested a lot in like the physical body and like being more in touch with that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm releasing it. And then you said it. And then it was confirmation for me. So I felt that. And now I just feel like I'm like, my secret weapon is stillness. And it's like the only way that I'm going to get better is by getting still. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's no, you even said this, you're like, there's no more information. Mm-mm. It's literally just me versus me mastering the game of self, mastering the game of life and being really, really strict with who I let into my world. Yes. And like, yes, you know, being respectful and I still have a big heart and I'm really big and open hearted, but being so mindful of what I consume because I need to like protect my gift and my power. And you said it best, like in the beginning, I didn't have anything standing in the way of that. I only knew my truth. I only knew my power. And as I grew, as I got better, as the business grew, I started to get all this feedback, all this noise. Mm -hmm. And now it's really about just like every day, how can I stay in my power? And that's it. Yeah. And I want to explain that to everybody really, really quickly, because I think I I haven't talked about this on the podcast Mm -hmm. because I haven't interviewed anybody or coached them live, but what I was explaining to Julia, and, and this isn't revenue dependent, but this is this is every entrepreneur who uses their story or mm-hmm. any part of their life to launch a business, whether yeah. it's physical products, whether it's digital products, mm-hmm. whatever. My reminder to all of you, myself included, is that in the very beginning, we were stacked against every single odd. We've never done it. We're trying to figure it out, right? But because we don't have a frame of success and we because we don't have anything that's working, we can't consume or allow in any information that wouldn't actually make it effective. We have to stay hyper-focused on what moves the needle. Mm -hmm. And so we stay rapidly committed to just getting that offer to go or finding that audience or getting that first sale. And we stay like that until we hit a point where we've created a resource or allocation to allow us to either expand or hire somebody or scale. And then we go start looking Mm -hmm. for all this information to consume. And we're consuming this information And now it's kind of clouding and creating doubt and all these pieces. And then all the new information starts distracting us Mm -hmm. and taking our attention from the things that were making the money in the first place. Yeah. And then when that stops happening, instead of coming back to the core function, we get scared and we invest more in the new things. And so this pattern is a yo-yo that I watch almost every single person I've ever coached, myself included, every one of my friends, all of us in the very Mm -hmm. beginning, going back and forth. Because when you consume all of that and you don't take the space to say, what what am I picking up? What is this is mine? How am I going to apply this to my business rather than how am I going to make my business look like their business? Yeah, so true. And so that happens all the time, typically until something breaks and forces the catalyst or you invest in somebody who helps you see it before it happens. It happens every single time. Yeah. And so my analogy for it though is that in the very beginning when you're starting, you have your message, you have your offer. And as you're expressing it to the world, you're kind of picking up a few colors from other artists and other painters. Yes, I remember you saying to help express your message to the world. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're learning how to express it. But there is has to become a point that when you express enough with theirs, you stop using theirs and then ask yourself what's mine and Mm -hmm. then only paint with your own paint. Yes. Right. And so this is around your messaging, how you see the business, but it also happens in the business. And so I'm saying this because when you say stillness, what she's referencing is really allowing herself or any of you to pull yourself out of the pill bottle or out mm-hmm. of the business to 30,000 feet to pause for a moment to look at it differently. And I couldn't see it that way. No. And that's why I'm in this room 
is because I needed help seeing that blind spot. And then once you pulled me out of the pill bottle and really just showed me the way, I said like, oh, wow, I see it now. And I was like, you're speaking to my soul. Like now I get, like I was able to come to that myself, but I was so in the weeds of it that I couldn't see any other way. And that's when that like logic really can like cloud your vision and stand in the way. It does. And so another analogy, and so I said this to Julie as well, an easy way to think about entrepreneurship in the very beginning, you are only the star quarterback. Yeah. That is your only job, right? Once your business starts getting operational and sustainable, whether that's three grand a month, Mm -hmm. four grand a month, five grand a month, 10 grand, wherever you start looking for all the things that you can do differently, you have to recognize that you are no longer just the quarterback. You are the quarterback and the coach. Yeah. And so when you're operating in the business, doing those functions that are working, you have to be the quarterback. But when you're done with those, you can't ask what's next in the business from the quarterback position. Yeah. You have to move yourself into the coach position. Yeah. Because now there's other players and other things on the field. Yeah. Other than just that one offer or that one ball going up the field. And then you'll run that until you have to then be the owner of the stadium or the coordinators up in the office that now has a team of C-suite below you that Mm -hmm. are your coaches on the field and you're seeing it at a bigger level. Yeah. And so the reason I say this is, is for a lot of us, it's like you can commit to running a marathon, but you have to take a break and assess what food do I need? What fuel do I need? How are my feet? Should I rest? If you're doing an ultra, it doesn't matter. Like there's every point in your life, there's a pause point or an inflection point. And the dangerous part of entrepreneurship and I'm bullish on is that everybody doesn't recognize the addiction that it is because you will forever have a never ending to-do list. You will forever have a never ending amount of distractions and a never ending amount of things pulling your attention. And so entrepreneurship is the one bucket that doesn't force a pause. Mm -hmm. If you work a nine to five, you have a forced pause because you go home to sleep. If you're an entrepreneur and you're on your fucking phone till 3 a.m. and you sleep for three hours and get on it again, you don't have any pause period to allow reflection, to allow you to see what pieces are there. And so you have to force it. You have to actively force it. You have to be willing to step away. You have to be willing to when you're triggered in the business to go for a walk outside, mm-hmm. you have to be willing to go dance or listen to a song or do so anything because what you're really trying to do is pattern interrupt it. So it forces a pause so you can assess or triage for lack of better terms, where you are, mm-hmm. where you should spend your time, what resources you have so that you're intentional about your actions. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, I, that's been a big one. <laughs> Definitely just stopping. And like, even I share with you this morning, you're like, check in, like, how, how is your night? And I had that point of inflection where I, I've been working with an esthetician and I invested five, $600 in new skincare, facials, the whole nine yards. And for me, I'm like, you know, I've done so many things. They're not working. She's like, well, are you consistent with them? And I was like, no. So I was like, okay, I invested all this money into skincare. I'm going to be consistent. And then last night, right. I wanted, I knew that I needed to do the face mask to see the results I wanted, right? I said, once a week, that's what I'm going to do it. And I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, am I going to do the face mask or am I going to go to bed? Mm -hmm. And I chose the face mask, even though I knew I would have had to go upstairs, wait 10 minutes, come down. I already showered. It's more inconvenient to wash off the face mask outside of the shower, like the whole thing. And I was like, but this is what my future self would want. My future self with beautiful skin, with the skin goals that I have working with my esthetician, 
And it felt so good that I honored the commitment I made to myself. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up unlocking mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of clarity, firefighters, things relieved that yeah. will not come back because you chose the new self. Exactly. Yes. And a lot of integrity in other areas of my life, other situations. And now it was a positive compound instead of a negative one. Yeah. So like for everybody listening, like if you have not listened to the podcast on the wedge of expectations, I'm going to give you a how and break my own rule right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give you a how in the example of fitness, right? So you had a reference of like my future self, whatever that mm-hmm. picture is for you, takes care of her skin, prioritizes her self-care, mm-hmm. right? And last night you were like, I can choose the old me. Or I can choose the new me, right? Mm -hmm. So once you have clarity on who the new me is, you have a choice in that behavior. So for everybody listening, I'm going to use fitness. When I, when Branson was born, um, I think you all know this, but I just got out of the psychiatric ward because I was going to attempt my life again. And I was massively obese again, like 235 pounds. And uh, I knew I had to be different. And I was like, I, I, I used to be a competitive athlete. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't have a how problem. Yeah. I have a self-integrity problem, right? I have an accountability problem because I keep telling everybody and myself that I want something different, but yet I'm not choosing any behavior to change what's different. Yeah. And so I was like, I got to go to the gym. And so I was like, and this is where I created that wedge of expectations because I was like, I want to really push myself. I was a Marine for 13 years. I I, I didn't sleep for 13 years. I can get up at 5 a.m. before Mm -hmm. my kids get up. I was like, all right, but I know myself. And I was like, all right, cool. My goal is to go to the gym for an hour every day from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. And that was my ceiling. And my floor was at minimum every day for 30 days, I had to drive to the gym parking lot at 5 a.m. Mm. And I considered getting to the parking lot a win. Yeah. And so if I got to the parking lot and I didn't want to go in the gym, I'd already won. Sometimes I cried. Sometimes I sat in silence. Other times I listened to an audio book. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I listened to the podcast that gave me a $100,000 idea that worked the next day. Wow. But I only didn't go into the gym for eight days. Mm. But I went to the gym every day. And because that's how I started, my behaviors in the day trickled through and I had like an hour of productivity after that. Yeah. And then once I became more consistent, the next month I was in the gym every day. Yeah. And then it was just a part of it, but then all the other behaviors. And so I just kept committing to these little chunks. And so when it was the podcast – and when, and I think everybody listening to this knows this, but I just explained that I lost everything again in 2020. Um, <laughs> my rule was I have to go hike in silence until I have clarity. I told you guys this at dinner. And so I lost everything. I had like four months of runway of operating capital before it was gone. And I was like, okay. And it took 27 days of hiking. And one day I get to a rock and I was like, I need to launch a podcast. And then logically, I was like, you're going to pick the one fucking thing that will make you no goddamn money. Good idea. Yeah. Um, Fast forward, I'm very glad I did it. And I listened. You should probably listen to what I'm saying uh, because it worked. Yeah. And so I was like, cool. And I was like, I'm going to do three shows a week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday because I wanted to push it. And then I hit some periods of depression in the podcast uh, in my life, some hard moments. But because I had the commitment of consistency, I was like, I can't do three weeks, but I can do two. And I was like, but I got to get ahead. And so I would try to batch record. But then when I would batch record, I would get tired. Mm -hmm. And so then I had to make a floor and a ceiling. And so then every day it was, 
my ceiling was record at least one podcast and my floor was outline three ideas. Mm. And so on the days I didn't feel like recording, I'd end up outlining seven topics. Yeah. And then the next day when I go to record one, I had six that were waiting. And so oh. if I felt good, I just recorded the next one. Yeah. And so the floor and the ceiling is really good. And so I still felt like shit. Yeah. But I was like, I can record a five-minute podcast. And so I was like, I'll go work out. I always feel better mm -hmm. after workout. I'll come back. I'll record the podcast. And then I interviewed a guest. And, you know, they're like, I want to hire you again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, here we go. And then the more consistent I was by just building those micro habits that made it so I won, mm -hmm. everything started to compound again. And then it just kept going and going. But that, that floor in the ceiling for me, it's like when we talk about manifestation, we talk about calling it in. You don't need the full picture. Mm -hmm. You just need the one behavior that if you do consistently will open it up or get you closer. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on consistency now. I love that. Yeah. yeah I don't think, yeah. Yeah, it was really hard to launch this podcast, by the way, mm. um, because it was not the easiest way to replace a half a million dollars a month in revenue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's when you're so you're so committed to feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what it is. And the and the and the, the tilt was when I asked myself, I was like, I gave it the same check. It felt good. I yeah. knew I wanted to do it. And I was like, would I do this if I didn't get paid for it? And I'm like, I totally would. <laughs> I'm addicted to talking. I yeah. know this to be true. I'll be doing this thing for the rest of yeah. my life. Fuck it. Do it. Yeah. And then how here we are. Yeah. And so it's it's really, it's really kind of cool to look back mm -hmm. in hindsight and be like, God. And if when I bought that microphone in two thousand and nine. Wow. And I spent $1,000 because I said it's 2009 and I think this podcasting thing's going to go. I should launch a podcast. Wow. Now I've learned I should listen to myself. <laughs> That's a hard lesson. I'm not joking. Oh, I have a few of those. Like passing on a $25,000 investment in a company that would have come back at $50 million. Wow. Like, oh. Yeah, it hurts. But it doesn't at the same time because if I was supposed to, I would have seen it. Yeah. It's easy now, but when mm -hmm. you recognize the fact, I'm like, it wouldn't have worked then because I wouldn't have seen it. I would have found a reason to not spend the money. Mm -hmm. I would have had some reactive behavior. Who knows? I would have been like, yeah, and then tried to ask for it back. Yeah. It's easy now to see what happens four years later. Yeah. But it, it really does compound when you focus on what matters. It Definitely. really, really does. So what are some of your like absolute required daily practices? That's a good one. Definitely like stillness mm -hmm. and like breath. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't do super intense breath work, I actually really like Wim Hof now yep. because of you. Yeah. But just some sort of like stillness and breath. Like my floor is like when I wake up, three deep breaths. And like as long as I can do that on a good day, it's like a 30 minute meditation, a ceiling. So definitely like some sort of like stillness morning routine. Yep. And gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude is huge because it just brings me back. Yeah. Like it, it's a great start. But when you start the day with it, you see that even if the worst thing in the world goes wrong, you still have one thing to be grateful for. Yep. And actually making my bed. Mm. So that's something like so subconscious. Now I, I forget to bring it up. But when I read the book, Make Your Bed, yep. I was like, hmm. And actually someone had said to me once, I was like in a group of like a lot of friends, maybe in high school. And this guy was like, you know, if you can make your bed, you can do anything. Yep. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. And then I read the book, Make Your Bed. And literally since that moment, I have made my bed every single day. It is so habitual now that I don't even know. Mm -hmm. And 
I'll, this one reason is why I will continue to make it every single day is because I remember when I was an intern, it was like my first time working a nine to five job okay. experience. And I had the worst day at work. Like my boss was not nice. He ripped me apart. I was like crying in his office. He felt so bad. He just sent me home. He's like, just take the rest of the day off. After he ripped you a new one? After he ripped me a new one. <laughs> horrible, horrible experience. And I'm like, all right, I'm going home. I go home and the only thing I remember is my freshly made bed. Mm -hmm. I'm like, today is the worst day of my life, but I am grateful that I made Made my my bed bed. this morning. And I just remember how that was like the most nourishing and impactful thing. And I was like, this just made the worst day like so much better. I'm going to tell you right now, like I I spent a lot of my life hating the Marine Corps. Yeah. Right. Uh, (laughs) For obvious reasons. I look back now and I have borrowed so many elements from boot camp to yeah. help entrepreneurs. <laughs> and like, I'm like, God, I really did hate them. But God, it was so easy when the first thing I did every day is I didn't have the choice but to get up and then make my bed yeah. and then go. And like, I've been, I've talked about this on the podcast and I want to talk to you about integrity. I, yeah. I, I feel like you embody integrity and, mm. and I love it. But, but I talk about integrity a lot on the podcast and, and I started challenging myself because I realized a lot of my days were really hard and I was really struggling. And I started to like recognize my behaviors. And I started to recognize that every morning I would set my alarm at five, mm-hmm. but then I would snooze it three times, mm. right? And I'd get up at 5.30. And then I was just sitting one day in one of my stillness practices and I was like, I wonder if my days are hard because the first thing I do in the morning is break my word to myself. Mm. <laughs> That's good. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I do <Okay>. that. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> Got it. And then I was like, all right, cool. So before I go to bed, rather than leaving it at five, like, let me ask myself, like, what time do I really, really want to get up? When yeah. I lean into it, like, what time? I'm like, all right. I'm not really going to do all that shit. Mm-hmm. I'll get up at 5.30. And I was like, cool. And then I get up and because I made the choice of what time to set it yeah, and I was clear on what I was going to do in the morning, the moment the alarm went off, I didn't even have the thought to snooze it because before I went to bed, I created clarity rather than I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't mm-hmm. want to get up. I'm not clear. And then that became a part of my daily practice of now the reason I have a stillness practice for 10 minutes before bed is I get clear on the first three things I'm going to do in the morning when I wake up at my house. Mm -hmm. Because before I left the office, I wrote down the first three things I was going to do in the business when I got back to work. Mm, And so then that became my thing. And so like in the morning, sometimes I get my son ready. Sometimes the nanny does. Sometimes I work out. Sometimes I don't. And so every night I'm like, all right, what am I doing in the morning? What do I want to do? What would fill my bucket? I'm like, I want to sleep in a little bit, then do this. I'm like, 540, I get up, boom, boom, go. Mm-hmm. And it's been massively, massively beneficial. And for me, it was just really choosing to make a commitment that I could keep for myself. And mm-hmm. earlier you said, you know, one of the big takeaways from being here, and obviously you and I have talked about integrity a lot, mm-hmm. is integrity and self-integrity. What does that mean for you? It really means staying committed to my word for me. Yes. Because I think it used to mean for other people. I want to be a good partner. I want to be a good daughter. I want to be a Mm -hmm. good friend for you, for this other person. Yep. And once I realized in this room that integrity is about me. Yes. And integrity is about my relationship to self, my commitments. 
it's like I look at myself different. It's yes, weird. It is. Isn't and it? it's like I really see myself and I see like where I'm out of integrity. And then it gives a permission slip for other people to be out of integrity. Uh-huh. But it's like even little things I'm catching myself of like, oh, I said this to you, but I didn't lie, but it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. And it's like just knowing that and like even with this podcast, like I feel so in my integrity Mm -hmm. and so in my truth and it's just like this new energy that I have where I truly feel like I'm just going to be honest where it's like and it but it's it's interesting because it's not like I was lying before nope you weren't I don't really know how to explain that yet Mm -hmm. but it's more of like I just feel so aligned to me Mm -hmm. and my truth or like even something little yesterday Marcus was like after I was sitting in your chair crying he was like how are you feeling? And I was like, good. And then I'm like, why did I say that? I was like, actually, I don't feel good. Yeah. I was like, I feel ripped apart, but I feel really good because this is what I needed. Uh And like just catching myself, I'm like, oh, that felt so good that I didn't just respond how maybe you, I would be doing this for you. Like say, good, I don't want to burden him. Yes. Right. So instead it was like, check in, pause, check in, how do I really feel? I'm like, well, I feel like shit. I was just sitting in a chair crying and sweating and uncomfortable, but I feel so good that I released all of that and now I'm coming out the other side. Yeah. And so what you're trying to describe, um, it's the reaction without the truth, mm-hmm. right? So the reason it wasn't a lie, but when somebody would be like, how do you feel? You rather than asking, yeah, you're listening to respond from the trigger. And so you're like, oh, good. Or you mm-hmm. give a summary without the story. So you feel like you haven't expressed. Yeah. And so then you feel out of integrity. And so then it feels like a lie because you're like, oh, I just agreed to something or I said something, but uh, it doesn't really affect them. It affects you. Yeah. Right. So I'll give you a tangible example. And 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 nobody questions me anymore, but I remember um, I was giving a keynote <laughs> in Florida. Oh, God. And there were like 500 people. And uh, it was like a fireside to start. And so we sit up like this mm-hmm. at the thing. And they sit to me and they're like, so how are you today? I'm like, fucking miserable. <laughs> and then everybody was just like. What? And I was like, I... yeah, like I'm happy to be here. Like I just had like a really muff morning and I feel really fucking sad and I'm missing my son. Wow. And he's like, oh. I was like, what, do you want me to say Good. Yeah. I was like, that would have been a fucking lie. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, this is going to be a good one. And I was like, I, I think about the amount of times that like I meet people or like I'll, I'll, I'll be in coffee shops or there with someone's like, hey, how are you feeling? I'm like, happy or good. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm like, I'm really happy to be here. I've just been feeling a little sad this morning. Yeah. Right. And I started practicing this thing with like everyone everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the same thing, like you walk by somebody in the office and you're like, hello. And yeah. they're like, hey, how are you? And you give them like a glance. You don't even look at them. Yeah. You're like, good. And I'm like, why answer? That's just a lie. Yeah. Right. And so how I describe it is these pockets where we don't fully express our truth or we kind of toe tap rather than being present, mm-hmm. even though we know we want to be present. And so yeah. it just creates all these little pockets that make us feel very out of alignment. Yeah. Because we're not actually choosing our behaviors. We're reacting to the world around us. That's so good. Because even another example, another shift that I made last night was – um. I was thinking about investing in something and I was sitting with it and the person had followed up with me yesterday and I was like, I'm going to answer this later, put it in the parking lot. And when I got home, I was thinking about it and I was like, 
I was initially the reactive answer was going to be, oh, I'm away. I'll let you know on Monday. But I knew that I wasn't going to do it because yep. I, I knew my answer already it had already come to me. Yep. So what I did is I paused and I said, what would my what would my highest version of me say? What would me speaking my truth look like? Yep. And it looked like, hi, I'm working on my integrity integrity right now with my coach. So this is me practicing. <laughs> and right now, it's a no. Yeah. I definitely want to invest in this, just not right now. It's not aligned right now, but thanks so much for following up with me. Yep. And it, it was actually more of speaking on like, I'm working on this. Yeah. Felt so liberating yeah. to just be so honest. And I was like, yeah, why would I say I'm going to follow up with you on Monday when I already have my answer now? Yes. And that that is a massively breakthrough collapse choice mm-hmm. because one of the things that I've learned now is it wasn't that I didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. I was literally eliminating any thinking space I had because I kept all these open loops that had already had decisions, but I refused to close them. Yeah. And so there's all these like open races that have parts of my attention, Mm -hmm. even though I'm already clear. Yeah. And so then no matter what you do, the human brain, it's called the Zygarnik effect. When those things are open, they pull your focus, Mm -hmm. whether you realize them or not. Yeah. And what I understand and recognize and you do now is like when you're like, when you honor your truth, it's also liberating for them. Yeah. Because that guy is like, wow, she's clear. She's honest, crystal clear. Rather than them spending the next three weeks chasing you and pursuing yeah. you, they can actually go find a client that's in alignment with them right now yeah. and then have the ability to save the relationship. So when you choose your integrity and you choose to share it in that moment, you're actually liberating everybody. Yeah. And you're allowing yourself to make decisions faster and really clear on where you focus and spend your time. Yeah. And like e- even then, like I also – I do this all the time because I don't like open loops anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so like I have friends text me like, hey, man, I want to come down to Big Fork and do a podcast in person. And I'm like, dude, I'd love it. I am completely booked for the next three weeks and mm-hmm. I can't even look at my schedule. Can you text me in three weeks and remind me? And he's yeah. like, totally. Yeah. But rather than leaving his text unread and then me like, when am I going to get to it? When am I going to get to it? I was like, well, he wants to come be on my podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's totally fine. Hey, will you just set a reminder and remind me in three weeks? I think that's how we schedule our first one. That is. That is. I I, I do it all the time because then it allows you autonomy. And I'm not like, hey, you have to do it right now. I'm yeah. like, when you feel it's good. Yeah. I was like, Julia, shoot me a DM. We'll get them scheduled. Yeah. And then when you felt good, you reached out. And then when I felt good, I leaned in, but mm-hmm. you weren't waiting for me. You yeah. weren't like, oh my God, is he going to say yes? You knew I was. Yeah. But because we had that, we both got to choose when we were ready. Yeah. And so practicing it everywhere with your team, with your with yourself, like mm-hmm. even with me, when I leave the office, the reason the last thing I do is sit down and I was like, what are the open loops in my brain mm-hmm. that I don't want to bring home? Yeah. But I don't want to forget in the morning. Right. And so I'm like, oh, I got this. I got this. I got this. And then when I leave my office, I leave that here. Yeah. And then I just get to go home. Mm -hmm. And so those little pockets for everybody listening, it's just finding ways that you can buy your time back Mm -hmm. when you really give yourself the space to check in and say, do I already know this answer? Yeah. Right. Like, do you really need to say I'll review it next week when you're saying that because you're not going to open it? Yeah. Right. Or like, are you really being, hey, I'm going to think about it when it's a no and you're just afraid to be honest because yeah. you don't know how to stand in your truth and handle the objection? Yeah. Just for the record, no is a complete answer. 
And anybody who doesn't accept it is a narcissistic gaslighter and you should block them. <laughs> and you can quote me on that. And I will make some book recommendations that you can send to them with the pages so they can self-assess in their mirror. Okay? I'm going to need those. Yeah. Um, I think there's a book about that. Like, no is a complete answer or something yeah. along those lines. It was a massive concept in one of the leadership trainings mm-hmm. I did. Um, that we talked was, about that today too. That was a very powerful lesson for me as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, no. And they're like, huh. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. And then all my friends, everybody I have a good relationship, they're like, dope. Everyone I don't, they're like, why? Yeah. But I don't understand. My truth is not mine to explain to you. Yeah. And so it's really like this like empowering thing, that self-integrity, that really knowing in. And so, you know, what I was telling you, and I think what you've come to recognize, and you guys might hear about this one day, um, but if you haven't, I actually have written a Bible about relationships with algorithms, and that's what I live from every day. Mm-hmm. Like I wake up and I'm like, what's my movement? What's my Bible? Yeah. What's my boom? Only reason is because if I don't align myself in my truth every day, mm-hmm. and then when I lose it, come back and find it. I'm going to end up making decisions and reactions and yeah. open loops based on everybody else. And it's just going to be hard. Yeah. And so that, that truth piece and speaking it, I, I, I recommend everybody understand that we're speaking about this in entrepreneurship and that's a massive breakthrough. You have one with your mom, you have mm-hmm. one with your team, like fast compression. Right. Yeah. And so you can practice it everywhere though. Yeah. Like it's completely okay. If someone's like, Hey, how's your morning? I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm doing okay, but I just I don't feel like speaking today. Can mm-hmm. I say hi to you tomorrow? And they're yeah. like, yeah, totally. Right? Like every moment that you can practice your truth, you're like, hey honey, can you do this? You're like, you know what, hon, I want to. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a moment to think about it? Yeah. Right? Like that level of integrity is actually what buys you that space and that freedom that creates like instant clarity. You just have to honor it. Yeah. It's always okay to speak your truth. Yeah. It's always okay to be like, wait, I need a minute. Or hey. Can I ask a question or, hey, can you explain mm-hmm. that? Or, hey, can I have a second to process? Yeah. That's always okay. So good. We just have to remember to trust it, mm-hmm. right? Like it's your car. Yeah. You're driving, your brake pedal, your mm-hmm. gas pedal, and nobody can touch it. And so if you give yourself that space and practice it everywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere, yeah, right? Like I do this to my friends. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'll send it later. And then I'll text them 10 minutes later. I'm like, bro. I have no idea why I said that. I have no intention on sending you anything. (laughs) I was like, no, no, no. And they're like, yeah, you're funny, right? And and it, but it's really, really fun because the more you practice it, Mm -hmm. the better you get and the better Mm -hmm. you feel. Yeah. Right. Like, how did it feel when you're like, oh, so good? I already know the answer. Yeah, so good because it's like I'm not wasting your time. You're not wasting my time, and it just feels it's like this new level of honesty. Yes. Right, and it's like this higher level that. I can't even explain it, but I'm like, I am really standing in my truth and like really standing in my power. And like, I feel so powerful in like a magnetic way where it's giving everyone else a permission slip to be in their truth. Mm -hmm. It's like this positive effect. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important too, and I'm, I'm thinking on how to frame this, but in, in standing in your truth, you know, I think I see this a lot in entrepreneurs, um, Standing in your truth is not telling your team how to do what you won't do. Mm -hmm. Standing in your truth is not saying the answer from your head because you're not acknowledging your heart. Yeah. Right. Standing in your truth never offends or upsets anybody because it is only about you. Yeah. Your truth is not yours when you're saying things like, I don't want to do this because you, because Mm -hmm. you, because you, or 
no, because you or you, nah, mm-hmm. you have to be very careful. Your truth has to always be I. Yeah. Because if it's not, it's not your truth. Yeah. And then it creates a lot of stickiness and a lot of resentment and yeah. a lot of reactance. And so I, I say that because, you know, I watch people trying to lead and they have these principles and they're like, this is what I believe. And I'm like, listen, I love that you believe it. And I truly believe that you want to believe it, but believing it is not saying it. It's being it. Yeah. Right. And and I think for me, a lot of the times I struggled. I got a lot of feedback early on in my career and I was very aggressive because mm-hmm. I was coaching people on very deep wounds and I had an awareness of them, but I was coaching them without acknowledging mine. Mm. It came across as aggressive and narcissistic and demeaning because I had the answer but my truth would be to share my story and relate, but I was too uncomfortable. Mm. And so I would say, well, you and you, and I was recognizing my own wounds. Mm. But then I was saying, well, because you do this and it was landing for them. Yeah. But because it wasn't really me recognizing in them, I lost clients, hundreds of thousands of dollars, had to repair relationships. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, well, Julia, what like I'm feeling about this is mm-hmm. like this is where, and you're like me too, <laughs> and it's this massive effective shift because yeah. it's really like my truth. It's not the adulterated version or the filtered version yeah. or or my other my other favorite little little wound is you'd be like, all right, so how's the deal gonna go? And I'm like, well, if I leave out that part and that part, they're guaranteed to say yes. So I'm like, so this is how it's gonna go. Mm. That was one, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna own this. And and uh, for years on this podcast and everywhere else, I was so insecure that um, when I would say numbers, I would keep some of them accurate, but then I would inflate other ones and pretend that they all were. Mm-hmm. And so, like the reason you hear me now when I say a number, or I'm like, and I, I'm like, no, 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 I didn't do that. The whole team did that. I just yeah. helped. Is because I'm so bullish on checking myself because yeah. I realize the pain that my words cause when they're out of integrity. Mm. because when I claim things that aren't mine, they make it incapable of other people being seen. Yeah. And so like, that's been like a big, big one for me to focus on. Wow. And so, yeah, those were, those were some of my little like hiding spots that I yeah. would find. And so when you speak your truth and I'm, I'm going to edify what you said about like being in stillness and really checking in with yourself, mm. it's because when you are in your truth, there is no other option. Yeah. Right. So there is no space to say, but why or but why? You just or, see it how. so clearly. It's so clear. And when you communicate it clearly, it's received clearly. Yeah. And that's a big, big, big part of it. And so, you know, everybody listening to this, the most important thing you can do every day is to have a full, integrous relationship with the vehicle that you are driving. Mm-hmm. And that means that you have to check in with your heart and your truth. Your check engine lights. Your check engine lights to make sure that what you're speaking and what you're putting out into the world and into your team and into your meetings and into mm-hmm. these things are in alignment. Mm-hmm. Because if they are not, they all come back and make the wound bigger. Yeah. And they break and the resistance and the pain. You're going to keep attracting it. You are. You are. So how do women go about finding their truth? <laughs> <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> I know. And I was like, let's see what happens. I'll drop this bomb. Yeah. I think it first starts, like, I just remember, like, my very first step was being so honest about my past. Mm. Like, just putting it on paper. And I think I even had this trust with putting it on paper. Like, oh, my God, if this is out in the world, this makes it real. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought for so long, oh, if I make it real, it's going to make it worse. What you but didn't recognize. when you make it real, you release it. You release it. And it makes it better because yep. it's lighter and you're not storing it on the inside. You're not shameful of it. Yep. Right? So it's like the biggest thing for me I remember was like the first time I learned about writing about your child and write, bringing up and acknowledging your past. I had been in talk therapy for so long and it was never to a point where I actually felt like I spoke that truth or I released that shame. And I remember I was reading this book, Calling in the One. Do you know it? So she, Catherine's a friend of mine. No way. She's also a client. No way. Catherine Woodward Thomas. Yeah. So by the way, I use that book to coach entrepreneurs on how to manifest the business that they want. Now it makes sense why I resonated so much. Uh-huh. It's so funny because the last time I was at my mom's house, I dug it up and I was like, I'm going to bring this back. I feel like I can use this uh-huh. because it's so much about relationships. But that book changed my whole life. Uh-huh. That book was like the catalyst for me. My talk therapist recommended that book for me. Yep. And I start. that was January of 2020. When I started doing the work, I met Marcos December 31st, 2020. Mm-hmm. That's when we had the FaceTime. So anywho, I'm doing the work and it's a very like you have to do the activity. It's not like yeah. you sit and read it. Nope. It's an act. I don't know what you would call that. Like you take action yeah, with yeah. the book. Yeah, yeah. And that was the first time I looked at my past and it was like just so many of the exercises were so good. Like write relationships to every. I mean, write letters to every past relationship, like close the loop on the past relationships, like release the trauma, get naked, look yourself in the mirror, love your body. Like just so many of these exercises that I had never done. It felt so foreign, so strange. And that was the first time I learned about living in my truth. And I learned about bringing my story out. And that's when I discovered I had a story. I didn't even think I had a story, right? Because you suppress it so far. And I kind of subconsciously knew like, okay, I've been dealt some shitty cards, but this is not how I'm going to choose to play the game. I just didn't know how it would manifest. So it's like that book started it for me. And then I, that's when I got into a journaling practice, a meditation practice. Then it became the 1% better each yep. day. Yep. And then the debt hits like a bus. It's like, oh, shit. Yep. Now I have all the tools. Yep. Now let me apply it to this situation. I'm debt-free. Ooh, that was cool. Let me apply the tools to what am I going to do next? I want to move out of my mom's house. I want to get an apartment in New York City. All the things. And it's every single time a new step on the ladder, but you're using the same tools. Yes, they're evolving. Yes, you're changing, but you're using the same tools that made you feel good, that made you stand in your truth, that made you stand in your power. You're just evolving to a new level. Yep. Yep. So remember, and oh, and by the way, men um, and women, irregardless of your relationship status, that book is a absolute workbook to Mm self-love. Yeah. Like hands down. So everyone should read that because it is the only way to fully embody and have the habits and rituals, in my opinion, because I use that book, to fully embody and love yourself, irregardless of calling in anybody. Yeah. But now you've read it, right? Yeah. So do you remember the part of like, oh, well, if there's no space. So if you only have one nightstand instead of two. Yes. If you- I got rid of all my pillows. If you have your whole closet, closet. full and half of it's yeah. not, right? Now think about the airplane seat. No, I'm not. I'm not catching it. 
the airplane seat is cleaning out half the closet. It's making mm. space for the new you. It's putting a container. The first class. The first class. That's good. Yes, that's what it is. Making a container. You're making a container. That And I remember so vividly that exercise. I had three pillows in my bed yes. and I got rid of one. Yes. I cleaned out half my closet. Yep. I so remember those exercises. So like I do that with office spaces. I yeah. do that in environmental designs. Like, yeah. Like when I read that and then I remembered it in entrepreneurship, I was like, this is magic. Yeah. And I was like, this is another manifestation. But yeah, like yeah. a lot of those principles are the ones that like you use for containers. And that so, book made so much sense. Now I want to like go home and dig it back up because we're going to be using that book in your business, by the way. Yeah, I need to because so many of those exercises are like still things I do now subconsciously. Yeah, I know. I, I remember you. Done, and what I teach. Remember you don't have a content problem. Yeah. <laughs> You have a too much content problem. <laughs> I have too much to say. Yeah, we have we have taken you from a shotgun to a sniper rifle. <laughs> we are we are clear. So I, I say that for everybody. That book is incredible about really, it, really, if I was to summarize it, it would be the manual to design your future self and the yeah. container to allow you to step into it. Yeah. Right? Because whether that's, um, oh, another example, and this, <laughs> this is what I did. Um, when I made the decision a couple of years ago that like I really was never going to be fat again, mm-hmm. um, I got rid of all my fat shirts. I kept three and three and then I bought two sizes down mm-hmm. and I hung all the clothes I wanted to wear in my closet. And so I got rid yeah. of all the things that I was comfortable in, kept the three that I had and I was like, I have to earn the right. And so rather than emptying out half my closet mm-hmm. for a partner, I filled up half my closet with who I wanted to be. Yeah, that's so good. And every day I walked into my closet I saw it. And then every behavior when I had that shirt on and I was like, yep, I want the other one. So by the way, if you guys don't believe me, if you go look at the period of time, there was a two-year period where the only hoodie I wore was a work harder hoodie on stage. Mm. That was one of the hoodies because I was 225 pounds, 230 pounds. And so for a two-year period, that's the only hoodie everybody saw because it was the only one that I allowed myself to wear. And then the moment I lost the weight, it got in the trash and it was gone forever. So like those Mm -hmm. containers. So like when you think about your creative space and you're like, oh, I was right for 20 minutes. Well, what would your space have to look like or for you to feel comfortable to want you to stay in for an hour? Well, actually, I write my best content on the subway. Yeah. A lot of people do. I don't tell people this, but. Do you know your human design? Yeah. I am a manifesting generator. Uh And what's your default? You know, I don't know. We'll look it up after. Yeah. I have a picture. Okay. So I have to show it to you. But um, so what I do to like flex my creative muscles yep. is I play subway surfer. Yeah. So I'll get on the subway. I love this. And I won't know the line. I'll go on a line that I don't know. And I'll be like having to pick like what's going to be the closest stop to home. And then I'll just stay on the subway. And then if I get off like too early, I'll just get back on. I have to figure out how to get home like without maps. But then I notice I'm like, oh my God, that's helping me be creative because I don't know how to get home. And default is like, look at my maps and like know how to get home. And then also I write my best content on the subway, no service, like headphones in. That was what I was telling you, my most viral post. Yep. No attachment to the outcome. It was something about our relationship, huge learning lesson I had. It got me like over 600 followers and I think almost like 200,000 like non-followers reach wow. on a static post wow like a, a screenshot of my notes app yep, yep. like the simplest thing and i remember i wrote it on the whole subway ride over to marcos and it was a saturday night 
And we were like staying in and working and he was like, are you going to post it? I was like, I don't think it's that good. And he's like, I think you should post it. Post. And I was like, it's a Saturday night. That's the worst time for engagement. Like every, everyone's out making all this. He's like, just post it. No attachment. Blew up. I was on the subway. I even have typos in it. Some yep. sentences. I look back. I'm like, ooh, that was a typo. But it was just so authentic. And I was so in my creative on the subway. Mm-hmm. So now, like, I haven't really intentionally done it to just go on the subway. But I'm like, my best content's when I'm sitting on the subway. Well, and I'll give everybody else listening some tips. So Nir Ayala is a friend of mine. He wrote the book, Indistractable, mm-hmm. and a few other ones. But he's basically like a the master of behavioral design, mm-hmm. game design. And he talks about like behaviors. So like I drive a different way to and from the office every single day. Wow. So there's no routine. So it forces my brain to stay present rather Mm -hmm. than like numbing out. Yeah. Right. And so like all these little patterns and behaviors, like I do the same thing, except when I'm traveling somewhere, I will literally be like, I'm going to get there without a GPS because like Mm -hmm. the amount of places I've allowed my brain to atrophy by relying on technology. Yeah is a muscle that I'm not flexing, but it also forces me from this is the path, which is convergent, to there are all these different ways. Divergent. And divergent. And so it allows you to see things differently, right? So that's why I'm constantly looking for like pattern interruptions or like, can I change this? Or I I do this all the time. Like I'll work out in the morning one day, Mm -hmm. dinner one day, lunch one day, early one day. I actually started switching up my workouts and it started to become way more effective. It is. Instead of like, because I also realized the new identity, like, for so like probably up until like three months ago, just really this year, I was just waking up and working out because I didn't trust myself. I was like, well, if I don't do it the first thing, like I don't trust myself to do it later in the day. And it was that like nine to five mindset where I'm like, I have to go the minute I wake up because I was so conditioned that by the end of my work day, when I was working a job, so burnt out. I was like, I could never work out at night. And I still don't like working out at night, but I'm now like, wait, I built this business. I built this life. And I don't give myself the freedom to go at 9 a.m. when everyone starts their first meeting and yep. the gym's empty. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, And I think what, what we have to recognize, and we'll start landing this plane, but like when you get to that point, you're mm-hmm. like, wait, this is my world. Yeah. But when you are stuck in the pill bottle, you feel like it's not and you can't control it. Yeah. But when you step out of it for a minute, you're like, I make my schedule. Yep. I schedule my calls. Like with your morning waking up at five. With my five or the reason that my workday doesn't start till 10 a.m. Yeah. And it ends at two. Yeah. Right. And then that that changes seasonally. And this makes me think that it's like I would feel guilty to feel pleasure because I thought it had to be hard. Yes. But, and this is why my favorite book is The Little Book of Clarity, I'll start this when, I'll have fun when, Mm -hmm. I'll start on Monday Yeah, is toxic thinking. It never happens. Yeah, Fun never comes. You have to choose fun now. Yeah. So part of investing in your life as your future self is not putting 12 hours a day in your calendar to run ragged so you can earn the right to go snowboarding. Mm -hmm. It's where can I make four hours right now because fun still has to be a priority. Yeah. The behavior that you choose is what forces the clarity everywhere else. And we can land the plane with it, that being manifestation. Yes. Because they, every client that comes to me, they're like, well, I'll take time off when I make more money. Yes. I'll quit my job when I make more money. Yes. But you're not going to make more money till you quit your job. No. Until you go and give it your all and yes. you show up fully present and embodied in your business. Yes. And it's the same exact thing where it's 
being your future self now. And then the universe in my way says, your wish is my command and energetically matches that. Yes, exactly. So for everybody listening, by the way, I think I've done two podcasts on personalities and permanent. Um, that would be a good book. There's no plan B for your A game by my buddy Bo Eason would be a good book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz, if you're analytical and you want the percentages of where you spend your time, <laughs> would be a good book. Um, but choosing now to find areas in your life where you're not thinking about now, right? And one of the exercises I, I have people do when I do some events is um, when I make them introduce themselves to each other for the first time, I get them all excited to do it. And I'm like, all right, cool. So here's what you're going to do. You have 30 seconds and you're going to introduce yourself to them that like you're a year in the future and it already happened. Go. And so I don't let them think about it. Mm. And then they go and they start saying things. And I'm like, all right, partner B, how was it? And they're like, no. I'm like, what was missing? And they're yeah. like, well, they weren't excited. They weren't clear. I'm like, all right, mm. partner A, you got 30 seconds. Go again. Yeah. And then it starts to click and then everybody is radiating and glowing and yeah. they're like, it already happened. It already was here. And I was like, awesome. What are three habits this person does every day? Yeah. And they're like, she does this, she does this, she does this. I was like, awesome. Go write them down right now. Mm. And they're like, okay. And they come back. And I was like, so I want all of you today to start these for the next three days. And then by day three, everyone's like, is it really this easy? (laughs) And I was like, if you're willing to ask the right yeah. questions and you're willing to put the work in yeah. to get to the result, it can be. So true. And so, yes, I, I massively do that. But you're not going to not be on this podcast again and us not see each other. But <laughs> can we give everybody the rundown and the spelling <laughs> on where to find you? Good luck, but I will try. <laughs> At I-A-M-G-I-U-L-I-A-G-U-E-R-R-I-E-R-I. Or click it in the show notes. Or click on the show notes. Or <laughs> shoot me a DM and say, yeah. send me Julia's Instagram. Yeah. Her Instagram, Instagram is- Instagram is the best Yeah, way. it's I am Julia Guerrero. You got it. I, I'm, I'm, I just can't do it with the Italian accent. Do it with the Italian accent. Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. You sound like you're in the mafia. <laughs> I like it though. And now I want like fresh made pasta. Yeah. We're going to do Italian for dinner. Oh, yeah. My favorite Italian restaurant. I have to bring you stuff from my dad's bakery. Yeah. Where is your dad's bakery? Long Island. I go to Long Island and you I go let me know. and I go to Asbury Park. Okay. And I go to Jersey a lot. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you know. But yeah. you guys are gonna be in Bali. Yeah. And are you are you when you go to Bali? when are you going to Bali? In May. In May. Yeah. And then how long are you guys staying? Six months. Okay. Is our lease. So at that point, another inflection point. Yeah. They'll they um it's too cold in Montana for them. <laughs> So I'm going to get them close yeah. in Arizona somewhere. Yeah. We'll get them a drive or a short flight away. Yeah. And then we'll make Marcos fall in love with the snow over there. <laughs> I like the snow. I know. But I think it's because I don't have to maintain it. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you live in the city. You live in the city. Uh, Montana's and a little different shovel. with snow maintenance. I'm like, I have a plow person because our driveway's yeah. a mile long. Yeah. I'm like, but I wish they did my sidewalks and driveway and my my porch too. It's yeah. so much snow. Oh my God. But we had nothing this year. I mean, I'm so glad we sold our house yeah. in Mammoth. They had yeah. Um, I, I they got an update again yesterday. They officially yeah. extended the season till August. Wow. So they're actually going to have yeah. I think you said that snow on the mountain the whole time. But uh, yeah, they've accumulated in town where our house was. Our house has accumulated with the one that we sold 62 feet. And so at the max, they had like 21 feet in the driveway and then got cleared. Then another one came in. It's insane. It's nuts. 
it's not. So yeah, I'm glad we don't have that here. Yeah. Yep. Nope. We don't have that. But yeah. Yeah. We'll get somebody to clear your snow. We'll get you in magic woo woo, you know, wonderland. I don't know. Montana is definitely an option. It is an option. I might, I might take a trip and come visit you guys in Bali. Yeah. Since you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. That might be fun. We'd love that. Cool. So I am Julia Guerreri on Instagram and you can go back to her other episode Mm -hmm. and you can go listen to my episode on her show Mm -hmm. and probably another episode we'll have on her show. Yeah. You can just DM me and I'll send you all of her stuff. I'll make it really, really easy. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I am going to ask my famous last question one more time because I feel like you have some new soul truth to speak to people. And I forgot it. So this is good. I know. And I tell people, they're (laughs) like, I I know you were going to ask that question, but I forgot it. If you could tattoo any wisdom on their soul for them Mm. to take with them for the rest of their life, imagining they listen to nothing else on this podcast today, what wisdom would you leave everybody listening to take home with them? Speak your truth. Speak your truth. And I'm going to add one caveat. Whether you recognize it or not, you're going to end up doing it anyways. So it's easier to start now. That's a fact, by the way. That's a way to land the plane. That's a way to land the plane. So we're going to wrap. That's another episode of the Mind of George Show. But uh, remember that relationships need algorithms, especially the one with yourself. I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. Um, This has been another wonderful episode. And I'm going to cue the outro now so we can go eat some Italian food. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.